Welcome to the Grind It Podcast. You know, life can be such a grind at times, and so we're here sharing God's Word with you to encourage you to keep grinding and to not give up. It's time to grind. So here's the host of the Grind It Podcast, the old school skateboarder himself, Randall Tucker. Welcome to the Grind It Podcast. Today we're going to start Matthew chapter 7. We're still in uh, the what we call the Sermon of the Mount. We're breaking this down. But just to start this off, I just want to give uh, just uh, I want to start it off like I did with Matthew chapter 6 and just reminding us that Jesus is knee deep in teaching his disciples about how to live a life that is pleasing to God. Uh, he takes what they're used to hearing from the religious leaders and from the teachers when they're teaching the law because they're teaching under the authority of Moses. God gave the law to Moses. Moses taught the law to the people. <coughs> Excuse me. And now they're saying um, when they would teach in the synagogues, they would say Moses said this and Moses said that. Uh, and Jesus comes along. He says, you have heard it said because he's saying you know, this is the way they teach. And they're teaching God's law that Moses taught the people. He says, so you have heard it been taught like this, but I say to you. In other words, he's taking what they have heard a step further. And and, and he's wanting them to, to know it's it's gotta go beyond your head and have head knowledge. You got to have you gotta have it in your heart and it has to actually make a difference in your lives he's showing his authority and he's trying to get the disciples and the people to realize and us actually that god is after our hearts and so what he's going to do in this sermon of the mount is he's going to drive home some points about these topics that will differentiate his disciples his followers from these religious leaders and especially the pharisees because Jesus had just condemned the Pharisees back in chapter 5 when he says, unless your righteousness exceeds that of the religious leaders and the Pharisees, you're not going to enter into the kingdom of heaven. You can't. And so, in its simplest form then, the Sermon of the Mount is teaching his disciples and us who follow Christ, that's what a disciple is, how to make sure that our righteousness is greater than that of the Pharisees. And so in chapter 7, Matthew chapter 7 starts off with a big one, especially for our day and time, and that is judging. We in the church as Christians, as Christ followers, we have been trained over the years by our society, um, especially in the last 10 to 20 years, to keep our mouths shut as Christians uh, because we are judging. And that, that's the term that people use. You're judging me. You, you can't condemn me of that. I, this is how I am. This is the way God made me. And you're judging me. That's what people say. That's what we hear all the time. But does the Bible, does Jesus tell us not to judge? And what I want to do is just share what Jesus says in Matthew chapter 7, verses 1 through 6. And we're going to talk about it. And here's what Jesus says in the very first verse of Matthew chapter 7 he says do not judge others see I told you Jesus said don't judge you can't judge me you're a sinner too you just sin differently than I do that's what people say but is that what Jesus is saying here we're going to break it down let's keep reading do not judge others and you will not be judged for you will be treated as you treat others the standard you use in judging uh oh I thought he said don't judge and now he's saying you are going to be judging. But the standard you use to judge others 
It'll be the same standard by which you're going to be judged. Well, is that a contradiction? We're going to talk about it. Why worry about a speck in your friend's eye when you have a log in your own? How can you think of saying to your friend, let me help you get rid of that speck in your eye when you can't even see past the log in your own eye? Hypocrite, Jesus says, first get rid of that log in your own eye. Then you'll, you will see well enough to deal with the speck in your friend's eye. Don't waste what is holy on people who are unholy. Don't throw your pearls to the pigs. They will trample the pearls and in turn and attack you. So, on the surface, it does seem uh, it does seem like that Jesus is saying, do not judge, especially when the first words out of his mouth in Matthew 7, verse 1 is, do not judge. But what does Jesus mean? Does he literally mean that we cannot point out people's sins when they're living in sin? Are we supposed to just let them go and let them live in sin? Or do we point that out? And unfortunately, that is how people take it. I mean, how many times have you heard some someone condemning a sin that someone has committed and they're screaming at the top of their lungs, you're judging, uh, you're a sinner too, you just sin differently than I do. Uh, you're supposed to love me, you're supposed to accept me because that's the way Jesus is. And you're supposed to be like Jesus. But does Jesus really accept everybody? Does Jesus accept sinners? Does God accept sinners? It's a deep question. So are we to confront people's sin or not? Is that judging or not? So if Jesus is saying then that, that we are not to judge, isn't that a contradictory to what Jesus does himself? Because he calls out the Pharisees over and over and over again for their sins. Then you can say, well, that's Jesus he was perfect. He never sinned. He could do that. He had the power to forgive sins. But but aren't we aren't we supposed to be like Jesus? Don't we have for those of us who are walking with Jesus, who accepted Jesus, our Lord and Savior, isn't Jesus living in our hearts? And we're striving to be like Jesus every day. So are we not supposed to call people out for their sin? Hmm. Jesus did. Um, he didn't accept everybody. He did not accept the Pharisees unless they repented of their sin. Um, well, let's move on from Jesus. Let's talk about somebody else. Didn't John the baptizer call out the Pharisees when they came out to the Jordan River to see what was going on? And, and they, they, they started listening to John's message about the kingdom being at hand, about this Messiah who is here to uh, uh, to forgive people's sins. And the Pharisees come out and, and John's out there baptizing people left and right. And he, he says, oh, you want to be baptized too? If you think you want to be baptized for uh, the remission of your sins, uh, before you repent, you need to go out there and produce some real fruit and show that, 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 uh, that you're serious about this decision that you want to make. So John, the baptizer, calls out the sins of these religious leaders. Well, here, let me give you another example. What about, what about Paul? Paul was a huge sinner. Paul was a murderer before he became Paul, before he became a Christian, before he became a follower of Christ. He was, putting, he was persecuting the church. 
He was going from house to house when his name was still Saul. And he was ripping men and women, grandma and grandpa, from their home and taking them to prison where they some would lose their life. And when the, at the stoning of Stephen, they laid their coats down at the feet of Saul. And Saul approved of Stephen stoning. And Stephen was stoned to death because of his, uh, his, he was living for Jesus and he was preaching about Jesus. And he was having Bible studies with the Jews and they couldn't hang with what he was teaching. And so they hated him. And Saul was right there to approve of his stoning. But then Saul becomes a Christian and he's, he, he's preaching to the Gentiles and to Jews. Did, did Paul not confront people about their sin when he would go from city to city? He absolutely did. Not only did he confront people of their sin, but he confronted Peter of a sin. When Peter, I believe it's in the book of Galatians, when Peter was eaten with some with some Jews or with some Gentiles, and these certain Jews came walking into the room, and Peter gets up from the Gentiles and goes sits with the Jews in the room, and Paul said, "I got in his face and let him have it because of that sin, that decision that he had had made there." So yes, you got Jesus confront sin, you got John the baptizer confront sin, you got Paul confront sin, and there's other examples as well. So we are to confront sin. And if we are confronting sin, does that mean that we are judging? So how does all this fit together? What what is Jesus actually saying here? Well, here's how I want to break this down the best way I can. And we're explaining it the best way I can. As people... Right, we're, you know, we we have habits, and sometimes they're bad habits. But we have a bad habit of looking at other people, and all of a sudden we just start categorizing these people. We start in our minds, and sometimes we're not even realizing that we're doing it. But we are judging, if you will, this person that we're looking at, or these people that we're looking at, and we start putting them in these boxes in our in these compartments in our mind, and we, we start comparing our lives to their lives. And we get so caught up with how horrible that person's sin is and what they have done um, that that we'll say something like, well, at least I haven't done what they've done uh, as if our sin is is less damaging in, in our lives and in somebody else's life to the people that are around us. It's less damaging than theirs. At least, you know, well, hey, I might have told a little white lie, but hey, at least I didn't murder somebody like Paul did or, you know, or like this person did who's over here in prison. I just told a little white lie and life went on. Um, but we'll talk about that in just a second because in God's eyes, when it comes to sin, there, there are no scales to sin. But that's what we do. We play this comparison game with other people. And that's what... The Pharisees were busy doing. Um, and so you, we have to remember why Jesus is giving these lessons, this Sermon on the Mount, to his disciples. He is teaching them how their righteousness can exceed that of the Pharisees so that they can go to heaven because that is the ultimate goal. We want to be in heaven where Jesus is, where God the Father is, where the Holy Spirit is for eternity. And so Jesus in Luke 18, 9 through 15, he's going to tell the story of a Pharisee and a tax collector, the notorious sinner, as they were known as, 
Uh, they were very hated in their society, especially by the religious leaders. Um, but these two, these, this Pharisee and this tax collector, they're in the temple together. And here's the story that Jesus tells his disciples. It says, Jesus told this story to, to some who had great confidence in their own righteousness and scorned everyone else. Two men went into the temple to pray. One was a Pharisee and the other was a despised tax collector. So you got two opposite ends of the spectrum. And the Pharisee stood by himself and prayed this prayer. I thank you, God, that I am not like other people, cheaters, sinners, adulterers. I'm certainly not like that tax collector. I fast twice a week and I give you a tenth of my income. And so you can see how he's, he, he, he's comparing himself not only to people outside in the, in the world that he comes in contact with every day. I'm glad I'm not like these cheaters out here. I'm glad I'm not like these sinners. I'm glad I'm not like these adulterers out here. I, I fast twice a week. I give you a tenth of my income. I do all this good stuff for you, God. I'm not like all these other people. And I'm certainly not like this tax collector over here. <clears throat> but the tax collector, on the other hand, he stands at a distance and he dared not even lift his eyes to, to heaven as he prayed. And instead, he beat his chest in sorrow, saying, Oh, God, be merciful to me, for I am a sinner. I tell you, this sinner, Jesus says, not the Pharisee, this tax collector, this notorious sinner, the one who people hate the most, not this Pharisee who people look up to and, and, and just love to hear pray and, and love to see as they're dressed in their fancy robes. This sinner, this tax collector, not the Pharisee, return home justified before God. For those who exalt themselves will be humbled and those who humble themselves will be exalted. So this Pharisee in the temple, he literally compared himself to this tax collector as if he had no sin in his own life. And the Pharisees, they, they literally thought that they were fine in God's eyes. I mean, they, when, when they were trying to get Jesus killed, they would not go into the praetorium because they didn't want to defile themselves because it was about, uh, it was about to be um, uh, the Sabbath day and Passover was about to start. And they wanted to be able to take of all that. And so they didn't go into the praetorium because they would be pronounced unclean if they did. But yet they're crucifying God himself, Jesus, God in the flesh. This just shows you how messed up thinking these people had. And so they're, these Pharisee, this Pharisee in the temple, he's comparing himself to this tax collector as if he had no sin. But they had sin. And you say, well, I'm not anything like those, those, those Pharisees. I don't look like them. I don't act like them. But, you know, in reality, we do the same exact thing that they did because we forget what sin is. And we forget and we don't realize or understand that there, there's not a scale when it comes to sin in the eyes of God. Sin is sin. And sin is anything that goes against the will of God. If God says don't do this and we do it, that's sin. If God says do this and we don't do it, that is sin. And so there, there, there's no scale in the eyes of God when it comes to sin. Telling a little white lie is just as bad as murdering someone. And so this, this, the, the Pharisees, they were so focused on other people's sins instead of their own, they are condemning the Pharisees, they're condemning the disciples. And here's a good example. They're condemning the disciples uh, for not washing their hands. And in when they would do these ceremonial cleansings, it was huge. They had to wash a certain way for a certain length of time. The water had to run. I mean, it was just 
you can Google it and study it. It's crazy what these uh, religious people did and these Pharisees, and they would try to make it. It wasn't even part of God's law. It was a part of their traditions, and, and they would try to pass on their traditions and make them binding like the law on other people. And, 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 and so they're condemning Jesus' disciples for not washing their hands before they eat a meal. They would just go and, and eat the meal. And it just blew the Pharisees' minds. But they're, they're so focused on other people that they're not focusing on their own sin because they didn't think they had any. They thought they were uh, just the greatest thing in God's eyes. Um, but Jesus said their hearts are far from God. And so I... I just want to remind you and myself that, hey, sin is sin. There's no scale. Sin is anything that goes against the will of God. And and it doesn't matter what it is. Sin condemns us, every one of us. And sin separates us from God. That's why Paul says in Romans 6.23, for the wages, wages is something that we earn. For the wages of sin is death. What is death? Death is separation. At death, our soul, our spirit is separated from this body of flesh, right? There's a separation there. Our body goes into the ground or, you know, if we're um, cremated, you know, it turns into ashes and, uh, and our soul will go into eternity, either into heaven or to hell, Um so the wages of sin is death. Death is separation. But the free gift of God is eternal life through Christ Jesus our Lord. Think about Adam and Eve. When Adam and Eve was in the garden, when they were first created by God, they had perfect communion. I mean, it was heaven on earth. It, they had perfect communion with God in that garden until they ate that fruit that God told them not to eat. And what happened after they took the first bite of that fruit and Eve passed it on to Adam and he took a bite of that fruit, that was sin. Because God said, don't eat that fruit. And that's what they did. They ate the fruit. They did what God said not to do. As harmless as it may seem, it's just some fruit. But God said, don't eat that fruit. And they ate that fruit. And so that was sin. And what happened after they sinned was they were separated from God. They, they had perfect communion with God. They walked with God on a daily basis. They talked with God on a daily basis. And this serpent comes along, Satan comes along, and he deceives them and gets them to thinking about how they could be like God and know both good and evil as if that's a good thing. And they fell for it. And they, they sinned. They went against the will of God. They were duped. And, and, and they, they, they committed the act of, of sin. They ate that fruit. And they were separated from God. Sin had entered the garden. And God kicks them out of the Garden of Eden. And he places angels at the entrance so that they could not return to the garden. And and Romans 3.23 says that we are all sinners. That we all fall short of the glory of God. And here's the thing. Other people... And this is where we, we all mess up. I do it. We all do it. And, and, and this is that comparison game that we play with people. Like this Pharisee and the tax collector or the Pharisee and the people outside that he should be ministering to. 
But instead, he avoids because he's not like them sinners. Other people should not be the measuring stick. Um, The measuring stick is Jesus. Not that person sitting across from you in in the pew. Not that person you meet in the grocery store. Not somebody that's a family member. Well, at least I'm not as bad as them. Or at least what I'm doing is not as bad. No, they are people are not the measuring stick. Jesus is the measuring stick. God's word is the measuring stick. God's holiness is the measuring stick. And there, there was and is only one person who has walked this earth as a human being who was perfect and never sinned. And that's Jesus. That's why he is the measuring stick. Jesus died on the cross, so we no longer have to be separated from God. And through the sacrifice, through the blood that he shed on the cross in that empty tomb, when he was resurrected, he came out alive, and he sent it back to the Father 40 days later, we can be forgiven of our sin, and our relationship with God can be restored. We don't have to no longer be separated from God. Through the blood of Jesus, we can be reconciled. We can be made friends again with God. We will no longer, because of the blood of Jesus, be separated from God, but God will literally, and this is awesome right here to think about. If we're washed in the blood of Jesus, God literally dwells inside of us by the power of the Holy Spirit. We're no longer separated because of the blood of Jesus, because of our sins being forgiven, that that restoration has taken place and God has drawn near to us as we have drawn near to him and he as Jesus points out in John 14 they dwell inside of us they are in literally inside of us that's why Paul says don't you know that your body is the temple God lived in the temple in the Old Testament and now we are the temple and God lives inside of us if we're washing the blood of Jesus if we're walking with Jesus on a daily basis we don't have to live a separated life but we also have to remember sin is sin and there is no scale and we are not to compare ourselves to other people. We're not to compare horizontally. We're to compare ourselves vertically. And when we look vertically to God, we fall way short. And that is why a lot of people will not do it because when we start looking in the word of God, we start seeing who we really are and that's sinners. And we don't want to look at our flaws we want to think that we're perfect like that pharisee did so here's what i believe jesus is saying to his disciples and to us i believe that jesus is saying don't judge because you too are a sinner and if you do judge and we do judge because we want to think that we're better than that other person that person over there So whatever we use to judge that other person, Jesus says the same standard you use in judging is the standard by which you will be judged. And here's the thing. As I just mentioned, we don't set the standard. God already has. In Amos 7, 7 and 8 and several other verses in the Old Testament, he talks about a plumb line. Amos says that he showed me. And behold, the Lord was standing by a vertical wall with a plumb line in his hand. The Lord said to me, what do you see, Amos? And I said, a plumb line. And then the Lord said, behold, I am about to put a plumb line in the midst of my people Israel. 
I will spare them no longer. That is the plumb line is the standard. It's perfect. It's perfect. When a carpenter's building a house, he'll drop a plumb line. A plumb line is a weight uh, on the end of a string, and that is a straight up and down line. It cannot get any more straight. And then that, that carpenter will take measurements off that line to where he needs to place his walls, and he can make sure that his walls are straight up and down. That the plumb line is the standard. God said, I'm about to drop my plumb line in the midst of my people Israel because they were they were sinning so badly that the priests were allowing Asheroth pose, these pagan worship, into God's holy temple. That's how bad Israel had gotten with sin. And, and we see it in our society today. And God said, I'm not going to spare them any longer. Um, so I've covered this in a previous podcast, so I don't, I don't want to talk too much about uh, the plumb line, um, but what I, I just want to mention that, hey, God has set the standard. He is the standard, and we are to compare ourselves to him, not to other people. And when we compare ourselves to God, we fall way short. And, 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 and keep this in mind, when we stand before God on Judgment Day, he's not going to compare the way we lived our lives to the person next to us or the person over here or the person behind us or, you know, brother so-and-so or sister so-and-so or some family member. He, he, he's going he, he's gonna to judge us according to his standard, according to his word. And the thing about God's word is it's flawless. God is flawless. We are not. We all fall short of the glory of God. And that's why we have to have the blood of Jesus cleansing us from our sin. Because if we are, then we are forgiven of our shortcomings. If we are washed in the blood of Jesus, we are forgiven. God is, yes, we fall short. Yes, we're being judged according to God's standard. But Jesus is our mediator between God and, and, and our sin. And, and Jesus is saying, Father, they're, they're my child. They're washed in, in the blood. They are forgiving of their sin, of their shortcomings. But if we don't have the blood of Jesus washing away our sins, when we stand before God, we're going to be separated from God for eternity, never to have an, another chance to come back. And that, that's horrible. It's horrible to even think about. But Jesus knows as people that we're going to judge others because it's just what we do. We compare. We do this comparison. And we judge other people. And that's why he goes on this tangent to clarify what he's, he's saying here. He says, why worry about a speck in your friend's eye? Because that's what we do. We don't worry about speck that's in our own eye. We worry about our friend's eye. When you have a log in your own eye, you, you know your friend's got a little speck, but you're making it a log when you, when you think you only have a speck in your eye, but you actually have this huge log in your eye you need to you know you need to fix that part first get that log out of your own eye before you can deal with your friends that's why he says how can you think of saying to your friend let me help you get rid of that speck in your eye when you can't see the past the log in your own eye you hypocrite first get rid of the log in your own eye and then you'll be able to see well enough to deal with the speck in your friend's eye so he doesn't say don't judge them don't deal with the sin of their life but what you better make sure that you do is deal with the sin that's in your own life 
get your life right, make sure your heart is right, then you can deal with that speck that's in your friend's eye because you're going to be too busy focusing on yourself and your heart instead of focusing on others and comparing yourself to other people and their sin. You're going to deal with your sin. Don't be like the Pharisee who doesn't think they have sin in their lives. The Pharisees had sin in their lives. Jesus condemns the Pharisees, especially in Matthew 23. He slams the fire out of the Pharisees. But that Pharisee and the rest of them, they couldn't see it. A few of them did, like Nicodemus and Joseph of Arimathea. And there were a few others that we don't know their names. But they had sin in their lives. And Jesus said, their hearts are far from me. But the Pharisees couldn't see it. We better see it for ourselves, that we are sinners. We all fall short of the glory of God. And and uh, we really have no business condemning anybody else on how they're living their lives when we too are sinners who need God's grace, His mercy, His compassion. Um, and we need to learn some humility. And that, to me, I think that's what Jesus is talking about. Humility. It's something the Pharisees didn't have. The tax collector in the temple with the Pharisee, he knew exactly what humility was and is. He knew that he was a sinner. He knew that he needed grace. He knew that he needed mercy for himself. And therefore, he could walk out of that temple forgiven and he could go to a friend. He could go to a family member. And in humility, not condemnation like the Pharisees would do, but he could have a conversation in hum- out of humility because he realizes he's a sinner, he needs the grace and the mercy of God. And he can have this conversation with his friend, this family member, this loved one who is in sin and say, hey, I was, I was once like you, but let me show you a better way. Let me show you, let me tell you about my Savior and what he's done for me and how he's forgiven me. Because you need forgiveness and without forgiveness, if you keep walking this path, you, you're, you're going to go to hell. And we want you to be in heaven with us for eternity because we love you. I love you. And that's how it should take place. It's not that we're judging. It's that we should be loving out of humility and sharing with what Jesus can do in a person's life. And how this, if they keep, continue to live in this sin, they're choosing a horrible path. And they can have a much better life than what they're living. Not only now, but especially for eternity. Because if they don't change their direction and their path, then they're going to be separated from God for eternity. And nobody wants that. And especially those of us who have tasted and seen the goodness of God, we, we should want to share Jesus with them. We should want to help them. And steer them in a direction that will lead them to life everlasting with the Father and with the Son and with the Holy Spirit. And so we do that not out of condemnation, but out of love. In Matthew 18, 15 through 20, Jesus says, If if your brother or sister sins, go and point out their fault just between the two of you. If they listen to you, you've won them over. But if they will not listen, take one or two others along, so that every matter may be established by the testimony of two or three witnesses. If they still refuse to listen, tell it to the church. If they refuse to listen, even to the church, treat them as you would a pagan or a tax collector. 
Galatians 6 1, Paul says, Brothers, if anyone is caught in any transgression, you who are spiritual should restore him in a spirit of gentleness. Keep watch on yourself, lest you too be tempted. James 5 19 and 20, My brothers, if anyone among you wanders from the truth and someone brings him back, let him know that whoever brings back a sinner from his wandering will save his soul from death and will cover a multitude of sins. There are several verses I just shared with you. One from the mouth of Jesus, one from Paul, and one from James. So that's three different verses, and there were others that I could pick and share and read to you that we are to confront sin. But I'm not sure if you caught what was going on in these verses. And these verses, these verses I'll just share with you, these are Christians confronting the sins of other Christians, brothers and sisters in Christ. Yes, we are to go to a brother and a sister who is already in Christ, who has already been washed in the blood of Jesus Christ and confront their sins. That's a given. But what about the world? What about those who are outside of Christ, those who do not have their sins forgiven, those who have not been washed in the blood of Jesus Christ, those who have not chosen Jesus? Are we supposed to confront their sins? Are we supposed to tell them what kind of sinner they are? I mean, this horrible stuff that's going on in our society, aren't we supposed to confront that? Isn't that what Jesus would do? Isn't that what Paul would do? Isn't that what the disciples would do? What about the world? What about those outside of Christ? I see people that I grew up with on Facebook, and they've posted videos, they post Bible scriptures, they posted pictures. I see people that I don't know, and they're they're confronting people with their sin. They're they've got their Bible in hand. They're standing out on the street, and they're and they're preaching to people and then sharing God's word with people and they got their megaphones and they're just letting them have it. I've heard street preachers. You know, that, that that's all fine and good. But you know what I when I see people doing that, I just see people I, I remember one time when I was at a Titans football game, Tennessee Titans, and there was a guy standing on a milk crate with his little uh megaphone and, and he's just preaching at these people and he's condemning this and he's condemning that he's you know of course the people are drinking there at a football game and he's just he's condemning just everything that he could think of to condemn he's just boom he's just slamming these people just left and right and i'm sitting there listening to this guy and 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 i i I looked uh to my wife and i said nobody's listening to that guy they're at a football game and they're excited about a football game and they're not listening to this guy. I'm not saying he wasn't doing a good thing. He he was doing a good thing and 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 he was trying to convert somebody, but I doubt very seriously that he converted one person out of the 70 to 80,000 that was there that day. Matter of fact, he probably turned a lot of people from Jesus because it it was con- condemnation, condemnation, condemnation. And I I see people wanting to do the right thing. Their their hearts are in the right place. And they're wanting to share Jesus. And they go set up uh, at an event that they disagree with, and, and they've got their picket signs, and they and they've got their banners, and they've got their Bibles and their megaphones, and they're, and they're just they're they're blurting out all these Bible verses. But is that what we're to be about as followers of Christ? Is that really getting the job done? 
Let me share with you what Paul says in 1 Corinthians 5.12. Paul says, For what have I to do with judging outsiders, those who are outside the church, those who have never given their life to Jesus Christ, the people of the world? What do I have to do with judging outsiders? Is it not those inside the church whom you are to judge? And to me, this right here is the key. This is what Jesus is talking about. What worldly people need, people who have never been washing the blood of Jesus Christ, they don't need somebody with a megaphone blasting them with the Bible, just beating them up with scriptures. But what they do need is a Savior. What they do need is Jesus. What they do need is grace and mercy and compassion and long-suffering, not condemnation. They know they're wrong. They know they're not living right. But what they don't understand and what they don't realize is that there is a God who loves them and who will accept them just the way they are and that he will change them from the inside out. You don't have to change them. I don't have to change them. But we do have to share Jesus with them. And Jesus will change them. It's not our job to change them. It's not our job to judge them how they're living. Our job, our responsibility as a follower of Christ is to share Jesus with people. Period. Not condemn them and how they're living. Jesus will take care of that. God's word will take care of that. God will take care of that. The Holy Spirit will do that. Our job, our purpose as a Christ follower is to share Christ. Is to share forgiveness. Is to share the love of God. And what Jesus did on the cross and that empty tomb and coming out resurrected and how he died for them. Paul says in 1 Corinthians 5.12, For what have I to do with judging outsiders? Is it not those inside the church whom you are to judge? A person who does not have their sins forgiven needs a Savior. They need Jesus. Without a Savior, without Jesus' blood washing them clean, they are already separated from God no matter what sin they commit. And throwing a bunch of Bible verses at them and condemning them would more than likely shut them down and they're not going to listen. As a matter of fact, it could run them off and shut them down forever. So instead of condemning people who are outside of the church, who are outside of Christ, who've never been washed in the blood of Jesus, like I said, they already know they're sinners. So don't be a Pharisee and condemn these people and separate yourselves from them. We are of the world, but we're to be Christ in the world. We are to shine the light in the darkness. And the love that we the, the light that we are to shine is a light of love and not condemnation. Because that's how Jesus treated sinners with love, with grace, with mercy and compassion. But when it comes to our brothers and sisters in Christ, those who have been washed in the blood of Jesus Christ, if they are in sin, then we are, are to approach them in humility and confront them and their sin 
because the goal is that they will repent and be restored and continue to walk with Christ. But before you do that, you better make well sure that you're walking with Christ and not just talking the talk. You better be walking the walk because they'll call you out in a heartbeat. And the minute you start sharing with the world and you start condemning them for their sin, they're going to call you out. I mean, just had a perfect example of this, not in the church, but it's something of the world. But there was a reporter uh, at, at the University of Tennessee who, I, I, if I'm not mistaken, they had uh, condemned somebody for a racial slur that was used. And somebody went back into their uh, account, I believe it was a Twitter account, and dug up a, a, a where, where this reporter had uh, made a derogatory comment. So basically, she had done what she had been condemning. Maybe she repented of that a long time ago. But that was still on her feed, and somebody went back and found it and used it against her, and she lost her job at, at, at the University of, of, of Tennessee. So before we condemn others, we better make sure our plates are clean. And if our plates are clean, then we don't go out in condemnation like the Pharisees did, but we go out like Jesus did with love, grace, mercy, and compassion. And that is when we will see fruit. That is when, when we share Jesus with others instead of condemning others, we will see God work in their lives. God bless you. Thank you for listening today. We'll pick up with Matthew chapter 7 in the next podcast. Keep grinding. Thank you for listening to the Grinded Podcast today. May God bless you. If you have any comments or questions, you can email them to us at thegrinditpodcast at gmail.com. If you would like Randy to come and speak at your church or your next event, you can contact him through that same email address. Also, I would like to thank Jody Foster's Army, also known as JFA, for their song, Abba, as we use for our intro and our outro off their untitled 1984 album. May God bless you, and remember, keep your eyes on Jesus and keep grinding.